This is the Law for Community Workers podcast for community and health workers produced by Legal Aid New South Wales. My name is Pauline and I'm from the Community Legal Education Branch here in Legal Aid and we would like to acknowledge that our podcast is recorded on Aboriginal land and pay our respects to Elders past and present. Always was, always will be. Hello everyone. Today we have a return guest Sharon Weston who you might remember from the episode Jingle Bills regarding Christmas debt. Sharon is the financial counsellor on the consumer law team here in Legal Aid, and we've invited her back to talk to us a little bit more about what a budget is, some changes to the credit file recording, and how Buy Now Pay Later can affect that. Hi Sharon, and welcome back. Hi everyone, great to be back. As I mentioned in the introduction, we are talking more about budgeting, and the word itself always conjures a sense of going without. But that's not really true. So Sharon, what actually is a budget? Okay, well, a budget is a list of incomes and expenses. It's a tool to manage finances. At its core, it is a forecast or a plan for your financial future. You can use a budget to look at all the income you're expecting, say, over the next 12 months. You then make a list of expenses over the next 12 months. I would recommend that 12 months is the ideal period for a budget because then it will cover items like your car rego or service, pink slips, etc., that may be paid yearly. Sometimes people have insurances which can be paid yearly or monthly and occasional expenses like new clothes and shoes, religious holidays like Christmas or birthdays, which can all be very expensive times of year. A good budget should help you to recognise those occasional expenses in such a way that you can plan for them instead of being surprised by them and possibly not being able to cope with them. A good budget should include a savings component to help prepare for unexpected emergencies like a broken fridge or washing machine, being ill or injured and not being able to work for a while, and so on. I found it always harder to keep track of my spending online as opposed to when I only dealt in cash. So Sharon, what's a good budget or saving tool for someone who's still only dealing in cash as well as someone who's doing everything electronically? So there are tools for both cash and FPOS that are similar and some that are different, of course. So the main thing is to know where your money is going every day. So keep a record of your spending. Write things down at the end of the day or keep receipts if it helps. For someone using FPOS, it's probably easier, but the aim is the same. Each day, you want to know where your money has gone. With FPOS, you can look at your online statement. Then you want to know if the expenses are daily or weekly, etc. So then you will begin to notice patterns. For example, where are your spending leaks? Now, by spending leaks, we mean money that is getting out of your account and it seems like it's just a drip occasionally, but actually it's building up to a bucket full of money. For example, coffee or buying lunch at work each day or wherever you might be going versus being organised enough to make your lunch at home and take it with you to work or wherever you may be going or limit the number of coffees each day. So if you buy two coffees at $4.50 each day, five days a week, that's $45 every week. So even if you cut down to one coffee each day, you could save $22.50 a week. You've identified a, a leak, a spending leak. So another is to keep your energy bills lower by turning off appliances that are not being used, including lights, heaters, anything. So it may seem like small savings here and there, but identifying these spending leaks mean you can save a lot over time. And that's what your budget's going to help you to do. Have a look at your last few energy bills, a year's worth if you can, because they'll be different depending on the season, and work out how much you need to set aside every pay. This can then be added to your budget. 
you can call your energy provider and tell them you want to pay your bill in instalments. Now, a lot of people are doing this now. You can then set up a regular repayment each pay so that you're not going to get one big bill every three months. You can still get energy vouchers from your local supplier if you are on a low income, job seeker, a DSP or aged pension. If you are using payday loans or buy now, pay later products, don't forget that these repayments need to go in your budget too. This is another way a budget can really help. If you are thinking about buying something using a buy now, pay later product, you can put the repayments in your budget before you sign up to the product. Check if you can actually afford the repayment. Buy Now, Pay Later would have been really popular over the holidays because of the small repayments and how they give like a false sense of affordability. And the services can offer a spending range that doesn't really include your other financial commitments. So can you talk to us a little bit about how they actually work? Sure. Okay, so they've become very popular. And I suppose that's because in many ways, if you've got an opportunity to get something that you want sooner, of course you're going to take it. And buy now, pay later products seem like there's no penalty to them. If I want something that costs $100, I'll be given four payments of $25 each. Easy, and I can pay for it later. But when you can't make a payment, that's when it can all go horribly wrong. Yeah? So then you'll start getting penalised for missing a payment. So suddenly that $100 product has become, you know, $120 or $140, depending on how many repayments you miss. And of course, you might have lost the product. It might have been a gift for for someone you don't like anymore. And so you don't want to pay it. You don't want to keep paying it. But of course, your circumstances can change and you might not be able to keep paying it. But of course, it's going up in cost every time you miss a payment. So that's one of the big dangers of buy now, pay later products. Now, I mentioned that you want to put the repayment of that product into your budget before you actually um, have, have taken on that loan. And if you can put it into your budget and you can pay it, then why not save up the cost of that product? It's highly unlikely that you're going to need that product now. If it is something that you need right now, there's probably an organisation like the Good Shepherds product, um, the NILS loan or no interest loan scheme that can help you to purchase that product if you need it straight away. So if we're talking about something like a washing machine or a fridge, then sure, yes, you need it now because your old one's broken. But there's ways that you can get help to buy that that aren't going to cost you a lot of money. The buy now, pay later product is probably going to be easier, quicker for you to get. But if you apply to one of your NILS providers and tell them it's urgent, that can help you get through that process really quickly. So, yeah, I would suggest that buy now, pay later products can be really uh, problematic, particularly once you've got more than one of them. Once you've got two or three, you might even lose track of how many you've got to pay off and how long you've still got to go to pay them off, especially if you've missed payments and you've been penalised for that. Is it even possible to negotiate repayments with these services? And and if you can, like when's the best time to do that? Um, it is possible to negotiate repayments. The best time to do anything to do with getting help for a financial problem is to do it ASAP. Okay, so if you can see that you might have a problem in the near future, like you've just lost some um, work maybe, or you've had something happen to you that means you're not going to be able to make your next repayment, let them know straight away. Um, The quicker that you are to talk to people, uh, creditors, and the more open you are with them, the more likely you are to get help. Um, So I would suggest that you do that straight away. And what you might find is a creditor might, um, might say, okay, we'll let you miss 
a repayment or we'll let you miss two repayments without um, any repercussions. Um, and, and different creditors will have different responses. Some of them, I suppose, are a bit more lenient and they might let you get away with stuff or, you know, do more things to try and help you. And some creditors will be um, very hard with you and penalise you for any payment that you miss. But whatever your creditors like, get in touch with them sooner and let them know what's going on for you. And you might be able to negotiate lesser repayments, um, no interest or no penalties, and, and they might just let you to pay it, let you pay it off at a lower amount. Um, but the best person to negotiate assistance like that is a financial counsellor. So if you're having problems, go and see a financial counsellor. But don't hesitate to contact the people you owe money to and see what help they can give you too. So if you do need to negotiate repayments, what effect does that have on your credit file or does it have any effect? And if it does, is there any way to combat that or to, to fix that or rectify that? Um, yeah, there is. It, it really depends on the creditor as to whether they're going to list you or not. So that, again, is something that a financial counsellor can help you with. If you're worried about your credit file, a financial counsellor can help you and there's many things that you can do about your credit file. So, Sharon, can you just talk us through what credit files are or credit reports and how do we work with them? Okay, so credit file is a, is a document that reports on your financial history. So if you don't pay a debt, it can be listed on your credit file by the person you owe money to and this may make it difficult to borrow money from someone else. Your credit file will list all the times that you have tried to borrow money or apply for credit, who from and if you were knocked back or not. So it'll show money, people that you owe money to and all the times that you've asked to borrow money as well. Okay, so it's not just debt, it's also applications for debt. Now, that's the very basics about what a credit file is. But then it gets a bit more complicated than that because not all creditors will list you on the file. It'll depend on who they are and the amount of money that you owe them. Sometimes they couldn't be bothered and sometimes they'll list the smallest thing. You never really know. You should not be listed for debts that were incurred as a result of fraud or domestic violence, but you may have to prove this. Again, a financial counsellor can help you with this. As at the 1st of July last year, there was a change to credit reporting, so now lenders can regularly report how you are tracking against debt. If you've missed a repayment, they can list by month whether you made your repayments on time or not. It's complex and it's a fairly new process. Again, if you are concerned about your credit report, ask a financial counsellor and they can look at your credit file with you to help you understand it and repair anything anything that is incorrect on the report. It used to um, cost money to actually get a copy of your credit file or to access your credit file. Is that still the case or does it depend? Because I understand now that there's actually different services that you can access to look at your credit file. Is, is, that, is that true, Sharon? No, it's not. You should be able to get a, a credit report for free. Um, it used to be every six months that you could get a free one. And if you wanted more than that within the six months, you'd have to pay for the next one. Sometimes um, people advertise that they can get you a credit report quickly and you can and only have to pay them, you know, $25 or something. So don't fall for that trap because you're entitled to a free credit report and you'll get it pretty quickly too. Um, there are three uh, bodies that provide credit reports. Uh, the main one is Equifax, and the reason they're the main one is because they represent 97% of all creditors. So if someone's checking out your credit report, they'll probably go to Equifax 
There's a couple of others, um, Ilion and someone else whose name I can't think of at the moment. And sometimes they don't represent all the creditors. So people wouldn't really bother with those reports, but then sometimes people want to see all three of them. So you can apply for the credit report yourself. You can do it online. Um, I would recommend that you get your Equifax report. Um, As I said, you can get a free one every six months. And I think during the early days of the pandemic, when people were having financial problems, you could get a free one every three months. Um, But it's probably gone back to six months now. But you you can find them online very easily. You can apply for them instantly. Um, You need to supply some ID, but they'll send it to you via email. It will be difficult to understand. They're a bit tricky to read. Um, so I suggest that you look um, look through them with your financial counsellor. Thanks for that. You mentioned briefly before about some creditors listing repayment reports on your credit file now, so as in your monthly repayments. If you do miss a repayment but you negotiate to catch up with that, is that listed as a default on your credit file or is it just, a, just an action? It's just an action, yeah. So if you've spoken to you, to your creditor, and again, another good reason to speak to your creditor before you're at, you've actually missed a payment, that will that will show on your credit file as being like an an allowed default, so or an allowed miss payment. So we would call that a moratorium. Sometimes you would get um, a creditor will give you a moratorium, say for three months, where they're not expecting a repayment, and that will show on your credit file as as an. Uh, um, allowed miss of your payment. I can't remember the exact wording, but anybody looking at the credit file can see that you missed three payments hmm. and it was arranged with the creditor for you to do that and then you've got back into your regular payments. So anybody looking at it will see that you've been talking to your creditor about it. You haven't just disappeared and tried to not pay something. Thanks for that, Sharon. Would you um, talk to us just a little bit more about the grounds for having a default removed from your credit file? I know that you touched on it earlier regarding... Um, identity theft and domestic violence. But can you just talk to us a little bit more about that? Well, just that it can be really difficult to have a default removed, supposing someone has used your identity to run up debt. It can be really difficult to prove, and then you've got to prove it to each of the creditors. So the difficult thing is that, say Equifax has listed several defaults in your name, and you may have been incarcerated at the time. So it's obvious that you weren't applying for credit because you were in jail. It's obvious that you didn't go into a shop and borrow money to pay for something because it wasn't you, you're in jail. But instead of going to Equifax and being able to prove that so that all those defaults are removed, you've actually got to go to each of those creditors and prove to them that it wasn't you. And that's very time-consuming, and, and, and some of the creditors might you know, reject it. Oh, we don't accept that. We want more evidence. We want to see this, or, you know, we want to see this ID. And they can ask for a lot of information. So it's very time consuming for you to have that default removed from your, from your credit report. It can be really time consuming and, and difficult. And at the end of the day, the creditors can decide whether they're going to remove it or not. It's really up to them and you can't force them to do it. With domestic violence, there's a lot more acceptance now that financial abuse is a big part of um, domestic violence. So when you can approach your credit reporter, like Equifax, for example, and show them something like a police report that proves that you've been a victim of domestic violence, they should remove that listing. But again, if you can't prove that you're a victim of domestic violence, they're not going to remove the listing. 
So it can be very tricky and very difficult. It can take a long time for people to remove that listing. Is that something, Sharon, that a financial counsellor can still help with, like with your whole process being as time-consuming as it is? Or should clients consider going to a legal service or something like that? It's probably something that a financial counsellor would help with, um, more likely than a solicitor. It's a very time-consuming process to go through. It's not particularly complex, but it's really time-consuming. It's just getting together evidence, whatever evidence you can, to show that that person was, you know, in jail at the time, or they were, or that person was a victim of domestic violence. So, of course, sometimes people don't have evidence of that, or even if they've got evidence that they were released from jail at a particular time, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that they didn't give permission to someone to use their ID, if you know what I mean. So should that person who was incarcerated still have responsibility for that debt? And all those sorts of things will be um, obviously considered by the creditor before they decide to remove an adverse listing on your credit file. In the case of someone who's been a victim of domestic violence, it's very similar. Um, If they haven't reported it to the police, if they don't have a police report, they don't have an AVO, um, they may not have any evidence. So, again, that can be difficult and it it really is uh, dependent on the individual creditor whether they will remove that listing. Thank you, Sharon. Is there anything that you'd just like to remind everybody of before we finish off our talk today? Well, not really, other than to say um, and to remind people that financial creditors, uh, sorry, financial counsellors are out here to help people with some of these processes, which can be quite complex. And it's always worth doing your own investigations rather than listen to what other people might say about their experience, because everyone's experience is different. Uh, as I've been saying, um, some creditors will list you on your credit file. They will, um, they might have have a listing removed from your credit file on certain criteria. So make your own inquiries, see a financial counsellor yourself, because your own um, outcomes might be different to someone else's. So don't just assume that if, um, you know, your friend or your sister had a particular outcome, that's going to be the same for you. See a financial counsellor. It's a free service. It's always free. And see what um, your individual and personal circumstances might actually, um, how, how they might end up when you've um, had professional help from a financial counsellor yourself. Thank you so much for joining us again today, Sharon. You're very welcome. That was our guest, Legal Aid New South Wales financial counsellor, Sharon Weston. As always, you will find links to all the websites, pages and resources mentioned in this episode, as well as a full transcript listed in our show notes. Or you can email us to cle at legalaid.nsw.gov.au. This has been Law for Community Workers. Thank you for listening and goodbye, everyone.